Hey, you're listening to Where You've Been, a show all about reconnecting with old friends and giving you the chance to meet some incredible people. I'm Andrew Loy. Thanks for joining me. I've got two of your works that I, I just kind of want to throw out there, okay? Okay. okay. So, so, man... I, I'm gonna be honest. I have not read these things. That's okay, fine. so no, most I did. Are. I did click on, and I saw that on Amazon, this thing's going for 135 dollars, and it's out of stock. <laughs> nice. So, um, that's so I, I printed like three of them. Probably, <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna recommend it. People pick it up. I mean, a yeah, great, great yeah. Christmas coming, and exactly. um, but uh, so. First one is is Oxford Press the the kingship and memory in ancient Judah. This this yeah. seems like this was a big thing for you. Is this? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was it was the biggest thing that I've done academically. So that's that's a the book I published that was based on my dissertation research. Yeah, um, and it has been my you know to put it bluntly my ticket to a career in academia. Yeah. You know, so I, I wrote my dissertation and. Um, uh, the University of Alberta is a very good university. Um, mm-hmm. We talked, I joked about earlier about, you know, applying to the Harvards of the world and not making it, but I still made it into a very good school. And my, my teachers here uh, were, were world-class professors in their field. Mm. Um, but, you know, because I, I didn't have the kind of academic pedigree that, um, that other people I was competing against on the job market had, I knew I had to make a big splash with publication and things like that to kind of make a name for myself and make myself viable on the academic job market. So when I was actually wrapping up my PhD, like I was still working on finishing up my dissertation, I started talking with um, a contact at Oxford Press, uh, which is a big, you know, it's the largest academic publisher in the world and and they do a lot of premier stuff in biblical studies. So I thought, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna shoot high, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, and they were just really interested. The, the acquisitions editor was really interested in my ideas, and yeah, so that's that's the book I published um, uh, based on my dissertation, and I've I've published a number of articles and other things, but that's that's my big contribution, mm-hmm. I guess. To yeah, to oh, I saw that, and I was like, wow, this is so exciting. He's yeah. he's he's talking about memory. We're gonna be talking about like yeah. what we remember. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, so I can try to try to sum it up for you in a nutshell if you're interested. Yeah, no, uh, do I it. I mean it's 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 arcane and it's it's tedious and you know it's a it's a typical academic book. So if you're looking for something to put you to sleep uh, <laughs> by the fire during the holidays, you know, read to the pour, kids. Pour yourself a glass of scotch and read a page <laughs> of my book and maybe two glasses. You know. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um so basically the idea, you know, um if you're familiar with the Old Testament, I know you are, but if, if folks listening are familiar at all, and, and take, say, David as an example mm-hmm. of kingship in the Old Testament, probably the example of kingship right. in, in, in the Bible, um, he's a real ambiguous kind of figure. Like, he's, he's both, you know, the benchmark for kingship, but in many ways, he's also a failure. Um, the dynasty that he founds is both, like... Um, one of the primary things that defines um, the people of ancient Israel and then ancient Judah uh, after the kingdom splits. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's this thing that's held up as a kind of ideal and yet it's a massive failure at the same time, right? You know, his, his descendants are all, not all, but mostly a mess. (laughs) And eventually because of their repeated problems, um, the kingdom is, is conquered and the people go off into exile, right? So, so kingship is this really ambivalent thing in the Bible and, um, a lot of people will try to argue that it's either good or it's bad, and they want to take it one way or the other. And what I argue in the book is basically that uh, the people who were responsible for these texts, and this is a whole huge debate in biblical studies, right? When were these texts written? written How did yeah. they come together? And we don't really have good answers for those kinds of questions, to be honest. But we know that, you know, after the the Judeans go off into exile and then they're able to come back and rebuild the temple um, in Jerusalem, uh, it's around that time when these books start becoming like the books we know of as the books of the Old Testament, right? Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, and so on. And my argument is basically that they themselves didn't really know what to think of this institution, Right, they're still in this moment where they're remembering this past political institution that was a you know a key part of their history, and it was even from their perspective a very ambiguous thing. Right, it you know um, they remember it as as being this great wonderful thing, but also this thing that led them into exile and trauma and uh, so on, and so they're trying to figure out what to do with the legacy of this institution. And um, the interesting thing is, and this is where the memory aspect comes in, I did a lot of research into how societies, you know, how they tend to remember these sorts of things in social contexts. Mm -hmm. And usually societies will will pick one or the other, right? They'll they'll say, oh, you know, this this institution was a really good thing, and we're going to write stories, and we're going to tweak our stories, or we're going to reshape our stories, to show that it was a really good thing in our yeah. past or vice versa, right? right? They'll, they'll create narratives to show like, Oh, this was the thing that ruined us. Yeah. And so we're not going to say anything good about it. You probably right? see that in American history, even from our own experience. Of, For sure. Right. Yeah. And, and there's been a lot of really interesting, you know, anthropological and sociological research about how societies tend to build these sorts of narratives about their past. Hmm. But the really interesting thing about the, you know, the Bible's narrative of kingship is that it doesn't really do that. Like it holds all this stuff in tension. And so I asked like, why might this be the case? And um, so that, you know, the book is very long and I have very long, like detailed (laughs) discussions of, you know, little little sections in Samuel and Kings and tons of footnotes that now I look back on it like almost embarrassing. I'm like, why did I spend two days writing that footnote? You know, that doesn't, (laughs) That was just to satisfy my own little curiosity and that no one will ever read or care about. Um, but, uh, so I know this is a long explanation. No, man, it's uh, great. But uh, the, the gist of the argument in the book is that um, there's this other body of literature in the Bible. So we have these narrative books that tell the story of kingship, right? We have Samuel, we have Kings, we have the book of Chronicles. Um, but then there's also this collection of prophetic literature, that also has lots of things to say about kingship as part of the people's future, right? Mm, Um, And also reflects on kingship as part of the past too, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, if you're somebody 
in the second temple period reading the scroll of Isaiah, like yeah. Isaiah was a dude that lived in your past, right? right. He's not somebody talking to you right there. A contemporary sorts, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But Isaiah has lots of stuff to say about kingship and about, um, you know, the future of this institution and, the, and even the present of this institution in the people's lives. So what I argue is that prophetic literature creates this kind of landscape of different possibilities for what might happen with this institution. Mm. And that this idea that there are lots of future possibilities for this institution helps balance out the fact that the people didn't really know what the meaning of the institution was in their own past. Does that make mm. sense? So like, yeah. if it, it, if you know, or if you decide that something in your past is either good or bad, then you're going to continue on thinking about that thing being either good or bad, right? It's a kind of linear narrative, right? Yeah, yeah. Kingship bad in the past, kingship bad in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but if, you're, if your cultural traditions tell you that, you know, the future of kingship is uncertain, then that enables you to also look back at the past and say, well, maybe, you know, how we understand it as part of our past is also kind of uncertain. Hmm. Um, so basically, the long and short of it is folks in, in ancient Judah um, were thinking deeply about this issue and, you know, how they remembered it and how they thought about the potential for its usefulness or its utility and its function in the future of their lives. Those things were kind of in, were kind of balancing one another and feeding back into one another. Um, and it was an open question for them, right? They weren't entirely sure. Uh, and the biblical literature gave them lots of possibilities for thinking about how this thing might or might not be a good and, and uh, important part of their, their lives going forward. So such that, a fascinating, that's the book. <laughs> yeah, it was such a fascinating thing to think about, or I'm sure study and research and uh, just try to gather as much understanding about how people thought. Yeah, at a time yeah. that is completely not you're not a contemporary way of thinking, right? And yeah, what a yeah. challenge that must have been to do, you know, to do that and to dive into that and to, to gather what what are people thinking at a certain fixed point in in their own history? Uh, yeah, before and, time of like social media where there's documented like critique right. and you know, yeah. and I think there was, you know, there is I'm sure critique of thought that comes out of that time, but. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that is, you know, that's something actually that, that my, my fellow colleagues in biblical studies, one of the critiques of the kind of work that I do, which is precisely that, to try and kind of get into the thought world yeah. of uh, these folks and in, in their ancient context. One of the critiques is that, well, you know, how can we possibly know that? <laughs> and my answer is, well, we have these texts, which yeah. are, I mean, yes, they're, they're texts that are, that are, um, uh, beloved and, you know, part of living communities today, but yeah. they're also artifacts of these ancient communities. Snapshots. That, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have the, the texts, so why not use them to think about these kinds of questions? Um, and then also we have, we have cultural comparison that we can do, like I mm -hmm. said, with these, you know, when we start asking questions about how groups of people remember their past and how they make meaning out of those memories, like right. we can look at how, People think about the last 200 plus 300 years of American politics. And, yeah. People are um, still people. Yeah, people are still people. And yeah, yeah it was 2,000 years ago, but or 2,000 plus years ago. But in the grand scheme of human life, that's really not that long. Right, right. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah. Well, hey, so so I found I found another article. I think it was an article you wrote, or and it just the the title of itself kind of jumped out at me, and I thought oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so it's a little bit long. It says, uh, "Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to rule by sense." Wait a minute, did I write that right? No, no, that's right. By sense it's- of smell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superhuman kingship in the prophetic books. Yeah. So, so this is great. I, I read this. And I was like, I got to ask, like, what's going on here? This is great. Yeah, that one always, whenever, like, so when I was on the job market um, and I would, you know, had some interviews and stuff and mm-hmm. usually they, you know, th- there's certain questions they ask you. And one thing you can usually expect is that they're going to look at your CV and like, oh, this this title stuck out to me. Tell me about this this piece of research you did. <laughs> you went for it. And inevitably, people will ask me about that. Like yeah. multiple times in interviews, people are like, <laughs> So I oh, didn't fail. I'm consistent yeah, with a yes. good interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, basically, that, that article looks at some of the issues I talked about um, earlier about mm-hmm. like how kingship is thought about and conceived of in the prophetic books. And um, there's this passage, and oh man, I haven't even thought about this stuff in a long time. So, <laughs> Springing it on you, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was like reaching for a Bible. Where can I? <laughs> but there's, there's a, in, in Isaiah 11, when it's kind of describing sort of the, you know, the messianic king, um, there's this weird Hebrew expression, which usually, and I'm, I, I'd have to look and see like how it's yeah. usually translated in English. And if you would have asked me three years ago or four years ago, closer to the time when I ri- wrote this, I could have, or when yeah, I was yeah. still on the job market. Now, <laughs> now I'm like, it's written down. Go look at, go it's look at it. It's your job up. to read this, Andrew. Yeah, if, a stu- if a student asked me, I'm like, that's why I published it. Go, go read it. Now, it's available at the bookstore. See. Yeah. But no, I, there's there's this phrase, and it's in Isaiah chapter 11, which is a very famous you know passage, um, where the Hebrew is is kind of obscure, but it basically implies that like one of the great things about this messianic king is that he's going to have like a divine sense of smell. Nice. <laughs> and nice. Uh, and you know what does that mean? And one thing that I think it means is that well, you know how how people in the ancient world perceived of the senses was quite different. You know, Mm. like, like we don't often, and actually I have a colleague who works on smell, like in literature (laughs) and how smell is perceived. She's, she's a, she works on contemporary English uh, literature. So she doesn't do the kind of stuff I do at all, but um, yeah, like, like different people groups in different times and in different parts of the world, like privileged senses differently right and so like we don't think of sense of smell like we think of somebody with like keen eyesight or you know right right somebody who listens really well you know someone who's wise is somebody who's a good listener there's but no marvel superhero good... who's like is that turkey yeah you know? exactly <laughs> so somebody somebody who can like distinguish themselves by their sense of smell is, <laughs> is not something that we would right. think is a big deal but right. i knew about this and and it plays a role in the article where i look at mm. that you know how this this king in Isaiah 11 is fashioned as a kind of superhuman figure. And I knew it would make for a catchy title. So I absolutely. But I, absolutely. in that paper, I just, I just look at like different ways that kingship is talked about in prophetic literature and how, and I, I do that. That's one of the more fun things I've written. Cause I also talk about science fiction theory and I talk about like how we define you know, uh, superhumanity and like how, how oh, I love super, that. superhumans and, and superhero kind of figures have how they function kind of in literature and in culture mm. generally. So 
Yeah, that one, you know, you might actually, that one might not put you to sleep. I might so check can, it out, man. Yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. check it out. Well, it's very, yeah. very clever. It caught my eye and I was like, oh man, this go, go Ian, man. This is, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we need this. We need this yeah, in our lives. Yeah, so yeah. cool, man. Thanks again, Ian, for taking a little bit more time to share with us a little bit about uh, some of the work that you've been doing. And I got to be honest, I'm really impressed and proud of you. So uh, thank you so much. Join me next week for an incredible conversation I had with some of my beloved friends, Adam and Leah Hux. Can't wait to share it with you. But until then, we'll see you next week.